Lives Matter. Black 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 Lives Matter. Hello and welcome to Black Lives Matter, a new UK guest-led podcast and platform for black voices to be heard. My name is LJ Moraes, I'm the creator and host, and I will be having a natter about lived experience as a black Briton. Black Lives Natter wants to create a place of celebration, of introspection, a place that upholds the many voices and intersectional stories of black and brown people in the UK. A platform of understanding, community, sharing and awareness. An informal place to have a bit of a chat, a natter. Black Lives Natter launched a Bush Theatre on the 4th of March to a live audience with special guest Christine Dean, former family lawyer and deputy leader of the Women's Equality Party. The evening was a powerful mix of sometimes difficult conversation, celebration, insight and culture. We'll have the opportunity to catch up with Christine again in May, but first we kick off with BLN Live resident Amaziah Rose with the first of our podcast mini-series recorded at Theatre Delhi Studios London. You can find our latest podcast on our website www.blacklivesnatter.co.uk where you'll also find links to our socials. Black Lives Matter is a self-funded endeavour and as so relies upon friends, family and philanthropy to keep afloat. Find out ways to support us through donations of time, skills or financial support. Thanks for listening. Come join us for a natter. Hi, my name's LJ and I'm your host and welcome to the first of Black Lives Natter mini podcast. And today we welcome to the studio Amaziah Rose. Hi, LJ. Hi, Amaziah. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you, and you look beautiful, may I say. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Looking like a diva as ever. Ain't we good? Ain't we good? With <laughs> our jumpsuits. With our summer jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. And we're here at Theatre Delhi um, doing this recording. So, hi, Amaziah. Um, and let's just explain a little bit how me and Amaziah got to know each other. So, Amaziah uh, performed at uh, Black Lives Matter, the BLN Live press launch in March. Um, I put out a casting for performers and Amaziah answered it and immediately I just loved your voice and your sound and knew we just wanted to book you. Um, Amaziah's performance was incredible, the show was incredible and um, because she she brought such incredible energy um, and love um, and immediately felt like family, I asked her to become part of the BLN family and become a BLN live resident, so that's, that's that. Amaziah, hey. Hey, it's nice to be part of the family. Thank you for inviting me. And yeah, it's, it's good. It's been good and it's going to get better, I'm sure. It was such a beautiful night. And, um, and um, first off, it was a really special night because my sister was performing one. And what was really lovely that you sang Sister after mm. she performed, um, which is uh, a song from uh, The Colour Purple. Do you want to talk a little bit? Yeah, more about what that means to you because we both have a, a lot of feeling over the book. Definitely, purple, definitely. I mean, I read that when I was like a teenager. Um, it was recommended by the librarian at the school. So, um, yeah, I, I read the book and I think when I was 18, it came out in the cinema and it was at Shaftesbury Avenue and when it, I went to see it. And it's the first film that I saw that made... The thoughts that I had in my head as I read the book, it actually played out in the film the way that yeah. I would have expected it to look in the time. 
So um, that was really good. But um, the song Sister, I've always loved it, you know. Um, and I just said to my husband one day, I'd like to do this song. <laughs> <laughs> and I played it to him. I sang it to him and then I played the original Miss Seeley's Blues to him. And he goes, oh, there's a lot of changes in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he got started because I didn't want to do it in the same way. Like, yeah, obviously of course, did it in yeah, you to put your own take So on it. we kind of put a scar twist to it and then basically kind of went from there. We got um, our friends Chris and Carl to put live horns on it. Yeah. So, like, all our stuff was kind of, it's all live that's come together, like, people put their yeah, you can hearts and souls into it. So, yeah, and it, it came out the way that I would have expected it to. So um, that's yet to be released. Um, I was going to say, um, where do we find, um, where do we get to listen to uh, The Sister? Yeah, we've we still got to release it, um, get the licensing for it as well, because mm -hmm. um, it was written by Lionel Richie and Quincy Jones. The incredible Quincy Jones. Yes. Big fan. So we got to get permission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it was it was just, it's a very celebrationary song and it means a lot um, for a lot mm. of black women. And of course, um, you know, The Colour Purple also has a lot of resonance uh, with black women across the globe. Yeah. Um, really special and just really special that it followed uh, my sister Chloe d uh, performing poetry for the first time. And then you followed that up with Pay Your Dues. Yes. Um, uh, and you wrote, did you write I wrote, I wrote Pay Your Dues. It happened during lockdown, actually. And obviously, with all that was going on during lockdown and the everything that was being brought to light, that was, because obviously everyone's yes. at home, you're seeing things that you wouldn't normally see that have been going on for many, many years. Um, and my husband was upstairs. He was building a track. I was downstairs chopping carrots, cooking. <laughs> But I can hear the music, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm hearing this track, and the only thing that's going through my head is, pay your dues. <laughs> so I went upstairs, and I sang what was in my head, literally. Oh, and fantastic. that's what you get on the recording. Oh, amazing. So that was that when you went upstairs? Yeah, I went upstairs. I, I just sang what was in my head, and I went back downstairs and started continue cooking. <laughs> That's not a lot And then we just went back and listened over and listened over and then, you know, I put some backing vocals and stuff in there. And, um, yeah, that's when it became what it was. And so we released that. That's online. You can get it on iTunes, Apple, Amazon. It's, Fantastic. And we'll, we'll put the links up um, for those things um, yeah. on, on the podcast. Um, it's a really... It's, it's a really great call and response song. Yeah. Um, the audience really responded to it. And, and like you say, um, I mean, Black Lives Matter happened because mm. of uh, the pandemic, as well as, uh, mm. I feel, a need uh, for me to talk about um, black and brown lived experience in the yes. UK particularly, because we hear a lot about um, what it means to be black mm -hmm. um, um, and African-American. Yeah. But it, it's nice, to, it's a completely different experience. Um, being black and British. Yes. Um, so I think it was really important to talk about that. And mm -hmm. during the pandemic, the... I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement obviously started in 2016, but it, during the pandemic, a lot came up, obviously. George yeah. Floyd. 
And we had a lot to talk about. We had a lot to talk about, we had a lot to think about, and mm -hmm. we, had, we had a lot of lockdown and isolation, so we were able to think about that, because yes. I think before that, everybody was running a million miles an hour working. Mm -hmm. And I think we actually had the time to consider that. Mm -hmm. um, and it certainly was a massive awakening for me, and that's the reason Black Lives Matter is here. So, mm -hmm. um, um, and, and just for the, for the people listening, um, can you explain a little bit about what the sort of content of Pay Your Dues. Okay, Pay Your Dues, okay. It's, it's a, re a song about reparations, you know. Um, we're here 400 years later. Mm. Okay, my great-grandmother was born in 1865, not long after the so-called Ab abolition. abolition. Yeah, yeah. Okay, which we know it didn't end there. No. Um, they had to work for free for extra seven years to pay for their freedom. So those That's that had been right. compensated... An, an apprenticeship, yeah. as it was called. <laughs> apprenticeship. After, after, <laughs> for yeah. freedom, which is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. So um, I'm, not, I'm not being unfair in asking that something be given back to the descendants of those that built the societies that we have now. Because mm -hmm. it was built from the blood and sweat of those people, our ancestors, mm -hmm. um, sugarcane farms, all those people that benefited. I mean, even someone that had a corner shop could have a slave working on someone's plantation that was bringing in something. This is and, it. And they were compensated. Um, on the other hand, our ancestors weren't, ancestors weren't compensated. And then to make it worse, Windrush happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so people that have been working from probably in their 20s, they're probably 60, 70 years old, drew their pension and been told, prove you're a citizen. I had the hardest task trying to sort out my dad's paperwork. Mm. My dad was here from 1962, so he came as a British citizen. Mm. My mother came in 58. On the ticket, it says British citizen because she was born in Jamaica, which was... Do they still have the ticket? I, um, I've got a copy of the ticket on my phone. Oh, that's um, My amazing. daughter did Ancestry DNA and literally my mum's ticket came up. The date that she left Jamaica, oh, that's incredible. she stopped off in America and then got to England. And it actually tells, uh, tells you where she came from um, in Jamaica, which yeah. was Seafort St Thomas. Um, and... It was amazing to see that ticket because I'm like, wow, this was, that's when her journey began. Um, and you have many people, I mean, my dad's ticket that he came to England on with, um, he came on the ship called the Ascala, okay. something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, he said it took 11 days to get here. Wow. Um, because they went to the other islands and then they collected the last <laughs> ones from Jamaica. Yeah. And he said he spent 11 days on the ship. Um, it didn't bother him, he was kind of easygoing. Yeah. At that point, you know, he was, he was young, he was 19, 20 years old. With all his hopes and dreams in front yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah, and he told me, like, he said, he, in order to get his ticket, he bought a, a female goat. <laughs> a goat? He bought a goat. Yeah, what? He, he was, he's, he's from, 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 from. <laughs> what, he took a goat on the ship? No, he bought himself a goat. <laughs> got, got the goat, you know, breeding and started to sell the kids. In selling the kids, he made the money. That's how he made his money his to get his passage. That's right. Oh my God, that's brilliant. He I started love that. with a goat. 
Because his older brother... We all know what happened to those goats, though, don't we? No, this, yeah, curry. <laughs> curry goat. Yeah. Curry. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love that. What a brilliant yeah, story. Yeah, so, yeah, he... Because he, he, he was in... He's from the country, mm. you know, so... Um, from Anova. And his father was a yam farmer. Um, so he grew up more on the countryside side yeah, of things. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, he... he, he bred his goats and sold his goats and got his, <laughs> his fare. And it was 70... And where 70 did he something come to? Pounds. What, what, what city did he... He came... came I think he came to... Where did he say he came off? Because he said he had to get a train to London or something, and a train to Wolverhampton, because that's where his family was. So he so that's got off how, the ship. Yeah, so that's then, how you've got your um, your roots are in uh, Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, your that's yeah. where I was born. So um, we have a sort of slight similarity in terms of family because my my father's Jamaican um, um, and um, and he he came over he came over would have come over in the sort of um, late sixties, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, he came over to Sedgley, Birmingham. So that, okay, that was so his experience. Yeah. And I'm sure it must have just been a real shock. And I think he came over in the winter as well. Which oh, would yeah. Have been, with a real shock to sort of get to, to Birmingham. You yeah. know, um, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it wouldn't, it's not the prettiest. And it's not, it, <laughs> it the wasn't 60s, the easiest childhood either because, yeah. you know, especially in Wolverhampton, in my school, there were probably about four of us that were black children mm. in my primary school. Right, so you had the same sort of um, yeah the same experience as I did. So um, Amaziah had her sort of childhood in uh, Wolverhampton, and I grew up in Salisbury, which is um, it's a city. <laughs> uh, but the, the, you know, as I said, when I was at school, I think there were three children of colour in my primary school. Yeah. So that was really really hard yeah. during. Um, I mean, I'm I'm 49, so I was born in 1973. I don't know how old you are, so um, but and, and and some people don't like to talk about that. Um, childhood, but I have my childhood during guess. <laughs> during the during the 70s, and and mm. in the 70s, you know, and then my teens in the 80s. Yeah, and it was just a completely different time, especially totally. coming from the kind of areas that yeah. we come from, which yeah. are rural and you know, all of that. My culture shock was because obviously we came to London, um, to my big sister. My big sister lived in London. Um, we were runaways. <laughs> I was eleven. Um, oh, so you ran away from home and came to London? Is that how when you first yeah, came to London? Yeah. And how old were you then? Eleven. You ran away when you were eleven to come to London. Come yeah. to London and find your fortune. Yeah, wow. I used to read Puss in Boots. <laughs> <laughs> and how old was your sister? Uh, my other sister, my eldest sister, or she's she was twenty-two. Okay. And yeah. that was the sister you were running to, you were going to see? Yeah, yeah. And did she take you in when, she, when you yes, got Yes, she did. Oh, um, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, social services came and said, oh, she couldn't keep us and, and stuff. Um, so basically, we, me and my other sister were separated, given to separate foster parents. Oh, that must have been tough. So, um, yeah. So then we actually ended up growing up separately. Mm. Um, because as well... Um, Coming to London, obviously, we weren't used to seeing children in school that were, you know, same colour as us and stuff like that. So, again, you had to start to learn how to adapt to how people would deal with you. I had an accent. 
A Wolverhampton accent is not the prettiest one yeah. to come to London with. <laughs> I know. Because people will take the mickey. Yeah. But I think we just pronounce our words properly. That's, that's all I can say. <laughs> Because uh, there is a difference between like sort of like um, black Midlands uh, and yes. like white Midlands. Yes. So were you sounding more? I like, sounded like like more like Wolverhampton, like that. Yeah, I did. Sound. I did sound like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. It's oh, the truth. And I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took me years to lose that. <laughs> but um, yeah, but then again, as well at home, we spoke patois because that's what our parents. Mm. Spoke. So then so you've sometimes really you'd slip up in school, you know what I mean? And especially if you got angry, yeah, like somebody's yeah. taking the mickey, and then you start, it's coming out in patter, but they can't understand, can they? <laughs> but it kind of got the, that energy off yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, we had, we had to fight our way through school. Yeah. We had quite a few fights in, in primary <laughs> school, because the thing is, it's like... Nig nog, mm. golly wog. Yeah, Can't you wash one. it off? Yeah, yeah. And then um, all the comments on the hair as yeah. well. Yeah, and then then Roots came out. Oh, you know Roots was the they nicked me, nicknamed me Kizzy. So everywhere I went in school, it was Kizzy. So it was a fight. Yeah, you know boys Roots, or girls. You know Roots was the only program. Must have been about six, I think, when that came out. Um, that was the only program my mum used to let me stay up late to yes, watch. Yes, that's the only one. Yes, <laughs> but it did. It did but create. It, was an, it, it did create an anger inside, mm. and even as a child, you you can feel it. Do you know what I'm saying? Because Absolutely. it was something that. Hold on, but we're just human like you. Why? Why did you have to do that? Mm. You know, and it's like, and then they say that. They're teaching us civilization. No, but you met civilization mm. when you went there, because civilization was happening. That's right. And also, there's there, there was lots. It was never. Dis how could you discover something there? People are living already. Exactly. I mean, this is what makes me laugh. I know. I'm at the moment. I'm reading um, "Don't Touch My Hair," which is by Emma De Debiri, and it's really good. But it was just talking about um, the the. The certain parts of African culture that are just absolutely not understood by, yeah. um, weren't understood by um, the people that were colonizing, yes. and that even things like you know in terms of um, communication, and that was done through hair as well. Exactly. So language was right. was, was 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 sort of you know was. How do you think they stored food? You know, the grains of rice were cornrowed into the hair. Wow. And maps, yeah, maps in hair as well. So, um, and, then, and that was taken on um, board in terms of um, slavery as well. Yeah, like, um, escape routes. Escape were, routes. Were able, were able to put in. Through, what do you think? Through the Meet hair. me by the river. That song, that that song that's sung in Pentecostal churches everywhere. Yeah. Meet me by the river. That was a a code song for the slave to say, "Okay, yeah. it's going to yeah. be tonight." Meet me <clears throat> by the river, Sunday. And, and even music, even people like um, Josephine Baker used yeah. to, in oh. her sheet music, um, when she was working for the resistance mm -hmm. um, during the war in um, France, she was putting codes into, to, into yeah. the sheet music. So yeah. what's really interesting actually about the book, um, uh, Don't Touch Me, My Hair, they were talking about Nigerian culture and how this idea in terms of Africa and uh, history, how the, the past is intertwined with the future. Oh. Course, and that is part that's actually part of the culture. Because it's the root. So then yeah, so then when you look at things like hip hop 
and sampling. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is sampling something from the past and blending it in with the future. Yes. And I think like um, that's something that happens um, within black music. That yeah. you are taking something of your history and blending that in with into, something into something. today. Yeah. So and in terms of you did that with sister, you know, you took something yeah. from your history and mm -hmm. from like you know um, black literary history mm -hmm. um, and blended that and, and made that into something of your own. And I think that's really really important in terms of healing and in terms of celebration. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the music. Um, when did you first realise you had a had a voice? Oh, when I was oh, when I was a child, I, I used to love singing. And so um, back in the day, our parents used to take us to church, and ours so happened to be a Pentecostal church. So you you hear all the songs, and you just sit down, and you 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 start watching everyone. Everyone's clapping, playing tambourines. So it, it felt like a party as a child. Do you know? What I mean, and then it was a church full of black people. Um. The minister's wife was white. He had mixed race children. Everyone was, you know, like a big family. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and then sometimes they'd ask me to sing, and then sometimes his wife would ask me to do mischief. <laughs> and and she goes, and she'd say to me, um, "Go up there and do that, and I'll give you five pence." <laughs> like what? <laughs> five pence <laughs> to go in front of her husband and mock him while he's preaching. Are you serious? <laughs> And what did you want? I love this. So I got the 5p, went up there and said, why do you keep doing this? And I started to literally copy what he was doing. <laughs> and then, um, and then I, you know, I love to sing, so they, sometimes they'd let me come up and sing. And yeah. I'd stand up there in front of everyone, the whole congregation, and just sing a song. And that was like, yeah, I've done it now, and I felt good. You yeah. know? Um, so, and that's when I was in single figures. Um... And then I just remember, like, one day, like, my, my stepdad, um, I was sitting in there, and I think um, there was a song on Eurovision, a French song, Chanson, L'Amour. Yeah, I remember. And I, I just kept singing that around the living room. And I'm, <laughs> Chanson, L'Amour, da 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 And then I kept on singing it. My, my, my stepfather goes, all right, French lady. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And, um, yeah, and then I just carried on. I used to love singing in assembly. We used to assembly so you like an audience? Because lots of people have the voice, but they can't, hand, they can't handle, like, the actual being in front of yeah, people. I, but you, I you love mind. that. Yeah, yeah. From, from when I was a kid, it was like, uh, in school, I played the Artful Dodger. I was singing. Mm, yeah. We did, like, musicals at school, and I'd get singing parts and stuff. So I just loved it even more. Um, assemblies at school in Wolverhampton. We had Mrs. Jones on the piano with her beehive, and we'd just sing songs for like half an hour. Amazing. And so it was something that is like was my favourite part of school. Yeah, drama for me, doing drama yeah. was, was my. It's like you get to, I used to like be making, yourself. Yeah, I mean, I was always clowning and making people laugh. I used to do. Um, I used to do impressions of like Margaret Thatcher and people yes. like that and, and just used to just really, um, I've always been a bit of a clown and a bit of a mimic as well. So yes. although I didn't have the voice for singing, which I, I'm, I, you know, I'm still very upset that I don't have a great singing voice, but... Um, Practice makes perfect. But, um, but I was a mimic for voices and I've always been quite good at voices and mm -hmm. accents and things. So that was, and I always enjoyed making people laugh and I always yes. loved an audience as well. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, and, and, and I, you know, it's, um, it's a great feeling um, to bring joy to an audience. Yeah. I think. It is, it is. Um, so, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I just got a little bit stuck there now. Good job we're not in front of an audience, isn't it? Um... I am Amaziah Rose, and you're listening to Black Lives Matter. We're back on. What did I say something about um, bringing joy to um, an audience? Okay, so in terms of musical icons and inspirations, who mm. would you say has had, who are some of the singers that have had the biggest impact um, on, on you, okay. you know, in terms of your music? Well, um, I've been lucky enough to have um, been able to listen to music of my parents, you know, music of the 70s, 80s, and up to nowadays. So I think I've had a really good spectrum of music, you know, uh, where I was listening to, where I was singing along to. Um, and so going even further back, you've you got people like Sarah Vaughan. Love her Sarah voice Vaughan. is absolutely her melting. Ver her version of Favourite Things. Yeah. I adore that. Yeah. Um, so you're a you Sarah Vaughan, Ellis Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, like these are the greats. These are the people that really had the vocal gymnastics mm. in their time because the scatting. I mean, Sarah Vaughan would make her voice sound like it was a horn playing. And the same with um, Billie Holiday. Yes, she was inspired by Louis Armstrong. Right, trumpet. His trumpet. Right. So she wanted to because sing they... like his tra trumpet sounded, which I just think which, is extraordinary. Which you can hear and she it. Does. Yeah. You can hear yeah. it. You know, um, and so I think there's something that's been lost in these generations. Because remember, in those days, it was just a one take in the studio. Mm. Like, literally, you get in there and you sing it, that was it. Yeah. What you got, that's it. Um, and literally, that's what I did with Black Coffee. I did one take. You uh, did it in one take? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have the opportunity to um, listen to Amaziah's new tune, Black Coffee, which is inspired by... Well, Sarah, Sarah, Vaughan. Sarah Vaughan. But we just, we, we've done it on a reggae rhythm. Fantastic. Uh, basically, to bring it into this time, because obviously I think those are brilliant songs and I don't know if the younger generation are going to go back to listen to them. So it's like, let's just bring it to them, but just bring it to them in a style where they can find it acceptable, they can dance to it. And this is what we were talking about just, just you know, only a few minutes ago, yeah. weren't we? About taking something from the past and making it relevant for the future. Yeah, because they actually, were good songs. They're, yeah. they're very well written. Um, and, as I said, uh, was first recorded in 1949. So, yeah, this is exactly what we were talking about before. We're taking something from the past, like the incredible talent of Sarah Vaughan, and bringing it forward into the future. And this is this, you know, this idea of um, our past and our present and our future all being all tied being up, tied together, tied together in one. So, um, so Amaziah, uh, we're going to um, uh, have a listen to Amaziah's song "Black Coffee." This is Amaziah Rose, BLN Live at Delhi Studios.
Fantastic. And you can look out for that on uh, uh, blacklivesnatter.co.uk. You can also give Amaziah a follow on. Would you like to give us your socials? Yes, Instagram, Amaziah underscore Rose. Facebook, Amaziah Rose. And, yeah. Have a listen. Um, Amaziah, thank you very much for coming in and talking to us today. And I, I honestly, I really look forward to um, everything that is happening for Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. We are next live event is in June. Um, just check the socials and check the website. Um, you su- can subscribe to our mailing list. We'll keep you up to date on all our, of our events. Thank but, you um, for uh, inviting me to be a part of Black Lives Matter. An absolute We've pleasure. We've got a lot to natter about. We do, yes. Mm. <laughs> we love a natter. Thanks for joining us Thank today. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
That was the incredible Amaziah Rose with her latest tune, Black Coffee. And that's it. That's us. For, that's it from us here at Black Lives Matter. All that's left to do is to say thank you to Amaziah. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you to our sound man, Arif. And also thank you to Theatre Delhi for letting us have the space. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter.